When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to I'm a Writer But. My guest today is Yael Goldstein-Love. Yael Goldstein-Love is the author of The Passion of Tasha Darsky and the co-founder of the literary studio Plimpton. She also practices psychotherapy with a particular interest in the transition to parenthood and is working toward her doctorate in clinical psychology. She lives with her son in Berkeley, California. Her latest novel is The Possibilities, in which a new mother ventures into parallel worlds to find her missing child in this mind-bending novel that turns the joys and anxieties of parenthood into an epic quest. Welcome, Yael. Thank you. I'm so happy to talk to you. I'm so happy to talk to you. Anytime there's a book about the impossibility of being a mother in this world, (laughs) um, I am all in. And when uh, your publicist reached out, I was like, hell yes, I have to read this book. And I'm so glad I did. Um, would you give us a little taste before we get started? Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I'm going to read, um, from the very beginning, um, which is, well, I I won't even set it up because it's the very beginning, but Mm -hmm. it's, but it's slightly different than, than the rest of the book. So eight months earlier, that was when the world split, when she was open on the table paralyzed from the waist down when they held her child up for her to say you she thought but the sight of him twisted rigid in a howl that never came cut off the thought then he was gone someone had taken him instead of his cry there was the tinny hospital pa paging one neonatal team and then another instead of his cry the voices of confident confident people creeping toward alarm A doctor's narrow head was bent in concentration, sewing her back into a body. What's happening, she asked. They're trying, Adam said from somewhere behind. Then he was just above and kissed her forehead. His lips felt dry and chapped. The room was small, too small for all these people. She didn't know the situation, but understood that it was dire. Someone had held her child up, then taken him away, and he hadn't made a sound yet, and the room kept filling with more people. It's cold in here, she said. They need to wrap him. It's warm, Hannibal, said Adam's voice, but not from near her ear where she expected. They've got him warm. Don't worry. They're doing everything correctly. 
He must have been straining to see, must have been craning. She could hear it in his voice. It was happening near the door, she was almost certain, somewhere past her feet, whatever they were trying. And the door was letting in a draft. She felt it blowing over her. She didn't try to see. She wouldn't have been able to, her view partially blocked by the paper draping meant to shield her from an eyefold of her insides. But also, seeing had never been a part of what they shared, she and this child. In their nine months together, she had only ever known him for an instant. Tiny body twisted rigid in a silent howl, eyes not yet open. That was seconds ago, or minutes, or hours. And every second without oxygen killed more of him. The tiny brain that had been growing all along inside her. The one she somehow felt she knew so much so that the unfamiliar look of him surprised her. The situation seemed to her quite obviously, quite awesomely a bad one, but also somehow muted in the way that time mutes even the worst pain. It felt to her that this had been, go this had been going on for longer than the life she'd lived until now. In the corner of her vision, something moved. She tilted up her chin and caught the blur as it moved past her, held cradled in a nurse's arms, the blue smudged lips, the way one tiny arm trailed as a doll's would, the clipped efficient sorrow in the way the nurse grabbed at the arm and tucked it in, the clipped efficient sorrow of the quiet that descended. Then she was looking at the obstetrician's narrow head still bent behind the curtain, the hair so glossy black it cast its own strange dulled reflection of the overhead fluorescence. Is he okay, she asked? Is he going to be okay? There was no answer. I'm so happy that you read that opening scene. I feel as a mother myself and as someone who's had multiple C-sections that there's something that you cannot put into words about what happens at birth, right? When when the child yeah. comes into the world, immediately there's a lifetime of things that you can't put into words, but we try. And especially yeah. as writers, we try. And um, sometimes it feels like because we're not saying that completely correctly or or we're saying it wrong even, um, or we're saying it completely right for ourselves, but it doesn't make sense to others. It can feel like there's this sort of lack of like, um, I don't know, connection with, mm. you know, with the world. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's kind of one of the biggest um, shocks for me, uh, having become a mother and um, something that made me feel so connected to your book is that immediately she has this horrible vision of of her child dying which she later learns is not not the true vision at least for the world that she's in yeah but she has to defend that vision you know she has to defend her own sanity and she has mm -hmm. to sort of like hide it and i think mothers have this innate beyond words connection to their children that we we constantly have to justify i don't know Do, mm -hmm. does that resonate with you it's it felt like you were sort of saying something similar in this amazing novel yes yes that resonates with me very very much um you know i think i i think of it i mean everything you're saying sounds yes i i i sign on to all of it <laughs> um but and i would sort of add the sort of like the particular flavor of it for me um which is that that um, birth scene that the book begins with, Hannah's birth of, of, of Jack, um, that is that was my birth of my son, exactly. Oh my 
minus the vision. (laughs) I didn't have the vision of him sort of dead, but he, he almost died. And actually for an hour after, um, after I gave birth to him, they, they could not and would not tell me whether he had lived or died. (gasps) Oh my God. And so, yeah. And so I lay there in this recovery room, just sort of stunned and terrified, having no idea if I was about to take a baby home or I was in the midst of an unfolding tragedy. And that experience in particular, where I, you know, I, I mean, you know, I think it, it'll make perfect sense to you when I say like, I lived many lifetimes mm-hmm. in that hour. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I do feel like that, that went on longer than, than any life I've lived before or since. And, and then my son was fine. Um, they, they came and said, you know, we that seems like he had enough of a reserve of oxygen in the core blood to get him through those 10 minutes of CPR unharmed. Um, you know, there might be like, you know, some later things that show up, but for now, like, this is a healthy kid. He's going to come home with you. And I took this kid home and I felt like I was living two realities at once. I felt like on the one hand, there's the reality that you can speak to others. Like I have a baby. He Mm -hmm. weighs this many pounds. Here Mm -hmm. is a picture of him, you know, Mm -hmm. like all the sort of happy, happy, joy, joy stuff. And then side by side with that is this reality in which my child died. Like, that came too close to happening for that not to feel like it has some lingering reality. And so it felt like I was in part being asked to, to bond with a dead baby. Oh my God. Um, and I just didn't know. I, I, and exactly as you say, I had no way to put any of this into words. And when I would try to explain to people, um, you know, cause you're surrounded in those early days with like all the people closest to you, friends are going in and out of family. And I, I was trying to say, like, this, I don't feel, I don't feel okay. Something mm-hmm. this feels, and I would try to put it into words and I would watch a sort of confusion and horror would pass over people's faces. Mm-hmm. And I would think like, oh, don't, you know, this is not, <laughs> these words are not having the effect that you want. They're not conveying your inner world um, to other people and they're only leaving you more alone. And so I just stopped trying um, until I got the idea for this book, at which point I was like, okay, this is my way <laughs> that I'm going to try to explain what this felt like. Um, and, and I have to say, like, it really, like, putting it in the book, having other people read it like you and, and, and sort of taking away, you know, res- having it resonate with their experience, you know, even though, you know, everyone's experience is quite different, um, has really, like, that, the biggest effect for me actually was, like, sort of popping that bug- bubble of isolation that mm-hmm. not being able to put things into words mm-hmm. creates. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? What was it actually like to sit down and then and and try to find the words? How did you do it? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, I I think it, it really it all came to me in in like sort of this one moment. Um, so I um, I mean I really I had a, I had a doozy I had a real doozy of a postpartum experience. So like after that, um, you know, my, after sort of the sort of post traumatic stress of like not knowing if my son had lived or died. I then moved across the country with my, oh my infant God. and my partner, and then my partner left me. Oh my <laughs> God. Right after we had moved across the country. And so in that, um, so it was like right in the wake of like realizing that my, my, my partnership of many, many years um, was like disintegrating right after I moved across the country with this infant. Um, I had this morning where I like had to get my kid, I had to get my son to the pediatrician's office. And this was, we lived in Washington, D.C. at the time. And I, I still to this day cannot drive in Washington, D.C. without getting lost. And I could not at the time. And I was like, okay, like I need to get this kid to the, this new pediatrician across the city that like utterly confuses me. Um, and I am crying constantly. I have to do this like through tears. Mm-hmm. Um, if 
I can do this, then I can get us through this period and all is well. Um, and if I cannot do this, this is the unhealthy caveat. If I cannot do this, then we are just doomed. <laughs> like, oh, there's no, oh I can't get this. And so, and I got him to the, the, uh, it was a little snowsuit. I got him to the car. I'm feeling so good about myself. And then I realized that I've forgotten the car key in the apartment. And so I wheeled him back to the apartment and I'm looking up at, we, have, we live in a brownstone and it's like these big steps and I'm going to have to like get him out of the stroller. He's going to start crying. I'm going to have to figure out a place to put him down in this apartment filled with boxes. Like, you know, I'm like this, this whole thing, like if I take him out right now of the stroller and go in to get that key, um, there's no way we're going to be a pediatrician on time on which everything seems to hinge. And if I don't, get the car key and we and we can't get to the pediatrician at all and so it was just this moment of feeling utter impossibility like it's it was such a simple problem really if you had slept and we're not like feeling like your life was falling apart but to me in that moment it was insoluble and i had this second where i just thought what if i leave him on the street like mm -hmm. who's gonna who's gonna steal my kid in 30 seconds from logan circle you know um and I didn't, I didn't do it and I didn't even turn around, but I had this vivid image. I imagined turning around and going up the stairs and then turning back and he's gone. And in my imagining, what I was picturing is that instead of being in Washington, DC, he was sort of pulled through by my longing and homesickness back to Berkeley, California, where we had mm. come from and where I desperately wanted him to us both to be. And I felt like, you know, let's say that it happened. Like, how would I reach him? How would I find him? And I knew in that moment that like that something about that, the profound dislocation and terror and urgency of that, that that was, that was going to be able to capture what I'd been experiencing, you know, for the past nine months. Um, but that instead of geographical slippage, it would sort of be reality slippage. Um, and once I had that, I was sort of like off and running. I was like, okay, now I finally know how to speak about my experience, how to describe it. Um, and it came out in this wild rush after that. It felt, wow. it felt very easy once I had that metaphor. So you were writing it when your child was so like an infant. I was writing it when he was an infant. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. That is, um, for those of us listening that have never had an infant, that is, um, <laughs> quite the feat. I can so relate to that sort of like motherhood arithmetic of if I can do this, this, and this. I can feel capable because that's at the end of the day, that's what we so desire is to feel capable of shouldering the intense pressure and burden of, of yes. having these children that we love so much and that we want, you know, to survive to the end of the day. Um, I did leave my child at one point. Um, it was my first child. I have three now. He was, it was like our, one of our first outings out in the world. I think he was like three or four weeks old. I was taking my dog to daycare you know, so I was meeting her needs and I was going to be out in the world. So I was going to show that I could be normal <laughs> and because you'd feel so not normal in those, in those days and weeks. And yes. we got to the daycare and he was asleep in his, in his carrier. And I thought I can't take him out of the carrier because he'll wake up and that would be the worst thing in the world. I, and I, I know I can just run in with her, drop her off. They're always so fast. It'll be fine. And then of course they were not fast that day. It took way too long. It took, you know, I don't know, five minutes longer than it should have. And I died in that, in those moments. Yeah. I thought, oh my God, I've left my child, my, my yeah. very, very young, can't even move his head child in the car. And you just, that's how you learn. And yeah. I think, you know, you become even more and more capable. And I, I heard what you said. Um, it was interesting that you said, 
you referred to it as an impossibility. It was this impossibility, but your novel is also called The Possibilities. <laughs> and I think that that's such a great, um, you know, way to sort of talk about this novel is that it's utterly impossible what we're trying to do. And it's utterly impossible to love our children who are always moving away from us and they have to. Yes. And, um, and then there's also the, you know, the future is, is rife with these endless possibilities of what could happen. And now in your novel, it's, it's actual parallel universes, parallel realities where these things are actually happening. Um, but that to me is, is parenthood. It's, it's all these things are happening all at once, your past, your present and your future. They're not happening in order, but they're happening all at once. And, you know, I, I, I can't even believe that you were able to find a way to write about that, to show people, people who've gone through this, but also people who maybe haven't, who have never, you know, had children or didn't experience it in the same way. Um, you know, that you, you did that through quantum mechanics blows my mind. (laughs) What, what kind of research did you have to do? I find, I find it mind boggling. I mean, first of all, thank, I mean, thank you for, for, you know, for, for recognizing sort of, you know, that, you know, that the sci-fi metaphor really, you know, that the sci-fi really functions as this metaphor for, I mean, I mean, I cannot say it better than you just said it, like, but I'll, but I'll, I'll try to like summarize, you know, just like the, you know, that, that parenting makes it so that our past, present, present and future are all one big puddle in a yes. way that they often are not um, right. you know, when, when we're not parenting. I mean, and I think that that is such a fundamental part of what it is to be a parent. Um, and it's such an interesting part of, of the experience. And, 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 and this, it, it did seem to me like, yeah, this is just a metaphor for that. Like, how do you do that? How, what is it like to be, to do that, um, to, to live that way? And also what is it like to, you know, really to love someone through utter uncertainty, to love someone in the way that a parent loves a child, mm-hmm. um, which is a very particular way, um, through, you know, in, in the face of utter uncertainty, what is that? Um, and, and this sci-fi metaphor, I thought like, it was like, yeah, this is what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, it also, it was a very, um, uh, it's a very natural it was a very natural metaphor for me to use. Um, I mean, it's funny, actually, when I first, when this first books first started getting described as, as sci-fi at all, I was really surprised. I was like, wait, what? This, it's, just a, <laughs> it's just a metaphor, people. Like, what are, you know, it's about like the psychology of being a mother. Um, but then I was like, oh yeah, I do actually, there is like a, there's, there's quantum mechanics. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, um, I, so I, my father is a mathematical physicist. He works on foundations of quantum mechanics. Um, he's, oh he's sort of like one of the main guys behind, um, wh- one interpretation of quantum mechanics called the Bohmian interpretation, um, wow. which, which is quite, quite opposed to the, to the interpretation I use here. Um, but, but so it was just like, I, I was kind of raised at a, at a, physics seminar table <laughs> like oh that goodness. was it's like it was much likelier at my dinner table growing up that somebody would ask you like what you think of the two slit experiment than how your day was oh. <laughs> and so to me it's just like these were sort of very from I mean which is not to say like you know it's not like I've been steeping in it in the like 25 years since in adulthood um you know I did have to sort of go back and remind myself but it was like you know I had enough familiarity with this way of thinking um that it was just like a very it was sort of where my mind immediately went um and 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 the and the and the research itself was sort of fun because I didn't feel like I had to start from scratch. 
I just felt like I could sort of like, you know, be like, well, what, what do people say about this? And what do people mm-hmm. say about this? And, mm-hmm. um, and I also got to, to ask my dad some questions, which was, which was a little trippy because he is not actually there, there are scenes of the scenes where Hannah toward the end has conversations with her mother where her yes. mother seems like says these things where yes. just like, what is the, what, how is that the answer to this question? Yes. Okay. Many I was going to read one. So on page 260, she says, I want to tell you that the wave function changes in time in a way that is described by the same mathematics as a vibrating string. And Hannah's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it becomes, oh my God, you really, 10 pages later, you are fully, like, even if I couldn't explain it to you scientifically, the emotion I feel about what her mother's telling her in that moment is so poignant and so real. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you. I just had to read uh, that. No, that I mean, you could not have per- picked out a more perfect line actually to illustrate what I was about to, il- to, to illustrate my what I was about to say, which is that that line in particular, in several hours, that was an, a line from a, an email that my father sent me, where I asked him a question, and that was the entire email consisted of that line. Stop. And that's that was the response, and I I'm looking at it and just like I'm like what <laughs> how is that an answer to my question and, and then and then I just sort of sat and rather than asking him to explain because I knew that whatever he would say an explanation would be just as just as <laughs> mysterious to me um or would be in the you know in the form of a, of a mathematical equation which like to him is explanatory but to me is like I still don't know um uh I sat with sort of like, just like the feel, like you say, like the feelings of it, like what, what, what emotionally does that feel? And I felt like, you know what, like that actually does, like, I could not tell you right now sitting here, what does that mean? Right, right. But I could feel how it opened up, um, you know, so much of the emotionality of what I had already been working with. And I was like, you know what, I can roll with that. (laughs) Like that, that works, that works. Because on page here I am going to quote you again to yourself on page 270 her mother says so they're hugging they're embracing and they're about to have to say goodbye but her mother says there's no other way except to ride the same vibration I mean oh my god as a mother truly understanding that is quite beautiful and revelatory oh thank you yeah I really I mean I think of another thing you know, a, a, another thing that was really, um, and I'm trying to think of that, like, that was really important to me in writing this book was sort of capturing, in a way that I had not seen captured elsewhere, the incredibly unique form of communication that passes between an infant and a caregiver, mm-hmm. you know, and that continues to pass between a mother and, you know, a, a caregiver and child, even when there's verbal, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth. But that sort of like that communication that really is just riding the same vibration, you know, that's mm-hmm. really just like, I am terrified. And now I'm making my mom feel that. And now she's going to figure it out for me. And, you know, which is really sort of, you know, in, in psychoanalysis, this is gets called projective identification. And, and it's an incredibly important process. But, but I don't think we need fancy words for it. I think we all know what that feels like. You know, mm-hmm. we all know what it feels like to hear our infant cry and to feel that same thing resonate in us as like, this is unbearable until we can bring our adult mind to bear on it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and sort it out. And, and, how much that takes over our inner world and how that way 
of communicating with our child, you know, sorting their terror and misery into solutions and, and, and giving it words, um, how that actually brings a mind together and that we actually sort of birth a child's mind in the same way that we birth their body through pregnancy. Oh um, that all felt so uh, extraordinary to me when I was going through it. Um, and I was like, this, I have never seen this captured in fiction. And this feels like an intensely important, important part of the human experience. Um, and I want to do justice to it. And so that was, you know, the vibrations I think also were so much about that. I was really trying to use that, that metaphor and service of, of this, you know, very real, but, but rarely spoken about psychological phenomenon. It reminds me, I was, you know, I was flipping through the book again today, preparing for the, for our interview. And and I I realized something that I hadn't realized through my first read through, which is it ends on, and you know, this book's been out for a while, everyone, so spoiler, and it's not even really a spoiler, but it ends on Jack falling and, yeah. um, and it sounds like a painful fall. He's at the playground, he falls and he turns around and looks for his mother and she's right there and he sees that she's smiling. So then he smiles and he goes off and plays again. And it feels like it feels like a very important ending image, both for him and for her, because mm-hmm. she knows it's OK for him to fall. And she also wants him to know it's OK for him to fall and that she knows that. And that yeah. to me feels like similar to what you're saying is like you're shaping the mind, you're shaping the world, you're showing them, you know, like how to live in the world that we're in. Yes, yes, exactly. You know, and I think like, you know, in, in that case, it's like. It was okay. You know, he fell. He didn't actually get hurt. You know, the risk, the danger happened and he's okay. And sometimes it's not, you know, and, and the, you know, and I think such, you know, of what the book is really about ultimately at the end is, you know, how do we not be crushed under the existential weight of what, what it really is to be a mother, you know, to, to feel this, you know, this primal urge to protect our children and to know that we are not omnipotent, we are humans, um, and, and, and there's no way we actually could protect our children. Um, that, that, that sets up such an existential um, pain mm-hmm. that we have to navigate our way through. And I think, you know, so much of it is just about like, how do, how do you navigate your way through that without denying it, you know, pretend like trying to suppress it and not think about it and la, 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 you know, accepting, fully accepting the reality of it and not being crushed under the weight of it in a way that makes, you know, both you and your children um, terrified and mm-hmm. not able to actually enjoy the beauty of the world. And I think, you know, that that surrender to uncertainty is is really, um, you know, where, where the book ends. Yeah, it's work, it's labor. Um, it's yeah. part of the labor. Um, and it reminds me of, you know, she visits another version of Adam in um, in another uh, parallel reality. I believe it's Adam 42. Yeah. And he is more able. He seems more able, more capable to her because he has been wounded. Yeah. He, he, he's, he's, he's had pain. Um, it's, you know, so her Adam, her version of Adam hasn't grieved, hasn't faced that sort of, you know, horrifying, po- you know, endless possibilities, but Adam 42 has, and he's been changed by it. And he's, because of that, he seems more capable to her. I wanted to hear you talk about that choice. 
it's almost like a difference in depth between parents. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, everyone, every individual is so different. And so, you know, everyone reacts to different um, tragedies, traumas differently. But I think like, you know, in in that particular case with that particular character, Adam, who is so defended against uncertainty, you know, his whole way of coping with uncertainty is to cling to there is a there is one white there is one right way to do everything mm-hmm. you know it's not uncertain as long as you follow the rules properly mm-hmm. as long as you follow the experts as long as you optimize um, which i think is such a um uh such a pervasive way of coping with uncertainty in our culture like optimize optimize find mm-hmm. the right way find the mm-hmm. solution find the trick um and of him who you know that did not work the worst happened his child in fact died Mm -hmm. um despite all the best efforts because sometimes despite our best efforts the worst happens that Mm -hmm. is reality Mm -hmm. um and for this particular man you know people could react to the worst happening in all sorts of ways but for this particular man under these particular circumstances going through it in this particular way it, it had this effect of breaking him out of that rigid way of confronting uncertainty. Now he is sort of, he is able to, he's far more open to what the world really is, to what reality is, to all of his feelings, um, to all, and, and to other people as well, um, because he's not in this prison that's, that's supposedly protecting him from uncertainty anymore. And so he seems like he'd, I don't know. It seems like now I'm just straight up talking about parenting and not your novel. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm pivoting into parenting now, but it does seem like being more, um, I don't know if, I don't know if agile is the correct word, but just open to the possibilities to curb the title of <laughs> your book makes you um, more open to whatever is going to happen with your child in a way. I don't know. I just, it felt like such a profound choice for you to make for that character um it really felt like you were showing us something oh thank you i i i appreciate that i mean to me i mean it's interesting you know since you're since you're pivoting slightly away from the book into the sort of psychology of it i'll I'll follow you for a second there and say that i also so my my doctoral dissertation um uh was actually on how parents um how how mothers experience the uncertainty the uncertain future of their how I'm like already forgetting the title how <laughs> mothers experience the uncertain futures of their children yeah. so really basically on this same topic and that was you know if if I could say like one thing that like far and away you know my I felt came out of the research I had done it was a qualitative study so you can't like you know I can't actually say like I proved this or anything but okay. um. But it was so clear to me that those mothers who came in saying like, oh, I am so worried all the time. I'm a worried mess. I'm a disaster. Um, they were not a disaster at all. They were very worried. They were very aware of the things they were worried about. It did cause them some suffering. Um, but they were, as you say, so agile. They were, you know, they were able to... Um, speak freely about everything they were feeling. They were, um, they were also able to like move into feelings of immense, profound um, meaning mm-hmm. as the flip side of their worry. So it was like, they were, they were really none of us. Whereas like there was this other category of mothers who came in saying, um, 
you know, I don't know why I even responded to this ad. Like, I'm really not worried. Like, I have these coping mechanisms. I have these ways of controlling my worry. I'm really not worried. Um, and they were, I mean, they were equally introspective, brilliant, wonderful, all the great things. But they were suffering more, mm-hmm. like significantly more, I would say. And, and you know, it would come out in all sorts. I mean, first of all, none of them spoke about the meaning that they got out of worry. Um, you know, so there was no positive side to it. But also, like, they would, you know you know, in the course of the interview, talk like often like these themes of like escape, like wanting to escape to some safe haven with their kids would come up. Very like dark imagery would come up. And then they'd say like, I don't know where that came from. You know, oh, so it's just wow. like, they were clearly suffering more. So I think it, I mean, I, I, I think it really is true. Um, you know, and, and you know, what, what, what I sort of make be the case for Adam that like, yes, if you can look at things head on, um, if you're if you're willing to do that, if you're able to withstand that, um, you will suffer less. In fact, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's this um, this need to look like you're handling it. You know, like you got it, yeah. and yes. that is so. I find myself doing it sometimes too, where I'm I'm like I that was really hard, and I'm going to think about that in ten years. You know, or it's like because <laughs> I just got to push through to the next thing. Okay, like we got to go to you know basketball practice or whatever, and and you know it's it's useful not only for you yourself to sort of think about that or process it but it's useful for your kids to see you doing it too um totally you know, right like it's meaningful and you know to see you kind of like teasing things out and and kind of being like i don't have the answers but i'm trying you know yeah exactly i mean right to from to see that actually like being a human is infinitely complicated yes <laughs> like this is not about like you find the rules and you're off to the races like no you will never find the rules you will never be off to the races that's right and it does it really does feel like hannah is refusing to be that person right like like adam really wants her to follow the baby books and and do the sleep stuff and and hannah is just like i cannot <laughs> yeah I'm, i am going with the flow here and i'm doing the best i can and yeah. you know it really it's it's, it's like just sort of like being tender, tender and open to your specific reality and your specific child. Yes. Um, yes, exactly. Which is also work. It's not easy. It's work. <laughs> no, it's, it's work and it's, and it's immensely, um, emotionally volatile work. Like, I think that that's another, you know, I think there's, there's, there's so much more wonderfully, I think, um, analysis these days of things like mom rage and sort of all these like extremely, you know, volatile emotions that mothers tend to feel, um, you know, in in the day to day parenting. But often it gets um, analyzed in terms of like isms, which I think is not false, right? Like it is much harder to do this, like you know, under patriarchal systems. It is mm-hmm. much harder when there isn't. Um, you know, when there isn't almost any social safety net for mothers, it is, you know, Mm -hmm. all of these things, they get so much harder. And I think that a thing I often find frustrating about these conversations, as wonderful as they are, and as glad as I I am that they're opening up, is that that's not the whole story. Even if we were mothering under the ideal conditions, still, like, in that act of mothering, taking these chaotic, uncontrollable other people, um, you know, and having to corral them and having to try to protect them and having to, you know, to pit our will against them on a day by day. Like, there's no way that you don't feel things like rage. There's no way that you don't feel periodic moments of hatred. There's no way that you don't like just feel overwhelming emotions at times. Um, 
and and I think that we would do, as a culture we would do ourselves and our children such a such a service to really acknowledge like what intense emotional work mothering is and has to be and like brilliant work like that's mm-hmm. the, it's like when you think about like what a mother does and and, and often and very involved fathers you know also you know do similarly but like what what involved caregivers do on a day-to-day basis just like you know, intuiting what their their child might be experiencing. How do you navigate through that? Like that takes it, it takes true, brilliant thought and emotional work. And um, you know, and I think we don't give it the credit it's due. And then when we feel the exhaustion, we don't sort of chalk it up to like actually, like I just did the equivalent of like writing a huge report for work. You know, like, that was if we could only, right? you know, if we could only. Um monetarily quantify the work that we've done we might be getting close right like yes it is it really is and you know it's um it's I could I that's why I think I could read endless novels about the experience because it is so unique to each person and you know because it is such a uh you know quote-unquote natural thing that people do have children it sort of gets swept under the rug sometimes you know like like shut up you made this choice like you know and and it's like yeah. yes but you know it, it wouldn't have mattered if someone took me by the shoulders and told me here's how the first six weeks are going to go exactly moment by moment I still wouldn't believe them and I wouldn't you know yeah. I would still be it would still be a shock yes there's no way there's no way to anticipate it I think there's no way to like this sort of profound disorientation the sense that you are no longer yourself Um, which I think is true. You are no longer yourself. You're some new person that you now have to become who has some, some relationship to your former self, but is not that self. Um, You know, I think there's no way to convey that. And I think, I mean, I, I I love what you say about sort of like the, you know, how it gets swept under the rug. Um, I mean, something that I have been so struck with being out with this book now for several months is the number of times that I have been asked in interviews um, you know, weren't you worried in writing this book that sort of the the market for motherhood stories is saturated now? Oh, you know, there've been I'm several. I'm so tired of that. <laughs> and I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, how many stories do we have about going to war? How many stories do we have? Oh about, my like, god! Like, it's like this is this is an, an incredibly important part of the human experience. Every single person experiences it differently. How could the market be saturated with like you know? maybe a dozen books like how could that be it will never be true I refuse to believe it and women are the ones who read books yeah (laughs) so you know like yes come on come Um, on it's ridiculous I heard that myself many times and I just don't buy it I really don't buy it I love all the books about motherhood um I wanted to talk about how freaking funny this book is um, which was such a delight because it's a very heavy book, you know, it's, uh, emotionally heavy. It's, it's asking my, you know, my brain to do a lot of like work, which is work that I love, but it's also just all of a sudden I'm going to read a couple lines. So page 153, um, she's, she's, uh, <laughs> she's, I think she's waiting here in her car or no, she's waiting for a car and the toddler girl in Peppa Pig themed boots staring at me through the rails of the park's metal fence with the affectless intensity of a hitman. I laughed out loud because we've all been stared at by that toddler. Okay. We all know. We all know. There's just, 
the affectless intensity of a hitman is the most perfect description right then and there and the other the, another this is not by far the number of you know funny lines in the book but i thought i had to um, read this one as well um so she's cleaning herself uh in a in a public restroom um and and noticing herself in the mirror but even clean, I looked noticeably worse for wear. It was my face, I realized. It looked like the primal prototype, the face my face was based off. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> what an amazing, I have had that exact, not in those words, but that exact impression of my face. Like, what the, you know, what in the world? And I was so excited by the the freedom that you had with tone all through this book that you the tone, the tonal shift and the humor and the like, you know, horror and the sadness and, you know, what was that like for you? Did you have to give yourself permission? Like, no, it's okay. Hannah's funny. So this book's going to be funny. What was that like? Or is that just naturally how you are? You know, it's interesting. It is, that is naturally how I am, but this was actually the first time in my writing that I did allow myself that space Um, and I think that there is something, there was something about this book in particular where, you know, I, I, the writing, it felt so urgent. Like I said, it was like, I had to, I had to write through this experience. I had to like, there was something I had to understand and make meaning of in an urgent way where I just wasn't worrying as much about like, you know, can I do this? Am I allowed to? You know, it was, it was like, it wasn't the, the final audience in my mind. It was always me mm-hmm. somehow, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. And so there was just this way in which like, it was like, I didn't stop and worry. It's like, yes, like this book has to have, you know, complete tonal range because that is what it's like. You know, that is what those like, you know, the, that is what it's like to be inside this particular mind. Um, you know, and I also felt like, um, you know, Again, sort of going back to, you know, the, the way that you had said it so beautifully of like that parenthood is, is this more, you know, this, this sort of like, you know, past, present and future are sort of merging in these interesting ways, which, which I, you know, I really play with in this book. You know, I also really wanted to play with how, play with the ways in which not only past, present and future, but so many versions of ourself feel layered over each other yes. in sort of complicated ways in parenting moments where it's like you are simultaneously in a way that I think is less true. I mean, it can also be true when you're not parenting, but less true in non-parenting. Where it's like, where you're like, you are your like panicked and devastated self and you are your funniest self, you yes. know, often right at the same moment. And I really wanted the book to, to, to partake of all those selves, you know, to really, that you feel the full range of this person and her depth, um, you know, and how, and how, you know, it can be like the highest existential stakes, you know, and extremely funny at the same time. Yeah. She, it made her feel so real. It made her, you know, and like, also I I was always rooting for her, but in those moments I was like, oh my God, this person is going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) This person is genius. I just, I, I just absolutely love that because it's exactly like you're saying, you know, we're all those people all at the same time and they, they rear up without our control sometimes. And her powers of observation are one of her strengths. And of course she would be that incisive and that hilarious. So I just love that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I want to hear a little bit about what revising this was like. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I love, I love revising. Like to, I, I revise 
I, I God knows how many drafts there were of this book. Like I just like wow. the rewriting is the fun to me. Like that is like, okay, like getting the first draft out is some weird fever dream. And then the real fun begins, you know, wow. just like, how do you make this? And, and the real heavy lifting of the revision with this book was figuring out how to make it it's the simplest version of itself mm -hmm. because there were, there was an Earl, the first draft, I can't even recreate it at this point. Like what was happening? But like, <laughs> instead of, instead of disappearing, the baby got sick and there was this whole complicated thing with like the baby sick, but, and you have to go to other world. And it was like, so it was like epicycles upon epicycles. And I knew it wasn't working. Like somehow the urgency drained out like mm -hmm. about a hundred, 200 pages in. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I remember just being like, what? Like, I know there is some simplest solution here. And then it was finally like, oh my God, he disappeared. Like, of course he disappeared. Like, <laughs> as soon as I hit on it, it was like the most obvious thing in the world. Um, but it was that, that discovery, I think was like sort of the biggest, the biggest revision. Um, and once I discovered that the writing, you know, doing that revision was really, really quick. Like everything just fell into place in the way that it does when like, yeah, it's like, yes, this is the you right solution. You hit on it exactly, um, and then the other big revision. Um, so that that was the, the version that I sold the book on, and then my editor at Random House, who is a brilliant, amazing editor, like old school, really edits. Um, she her big sort of note about the book, which was so smart and so right, was that she was the one who really noted that look, this this is a book about. Um, you know, how do you, how does a mother sort of psychologically transition to being a mother? But it's also a book about how does a couple psychologically transition to being parents together? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you parent through this transition? How, or how do you love each other through this transition? And, um, and I had sort of, the Adam story had sort of kind of fizzled out in that draft. Like it would sort of it fizzled out as soon as he forgot um, his child. Adam being the husband mm -hmm. um, and father in the story, you know, he, he, at one point he, you know, he, he, like everyone else, other than the main character forgets that this child ever existed in their world. And then he's sort of gone, you mm -hmm. know? And, and she's like, you know what? Like that, that, it just feels like there's, there's a strand of this book that's not developed. And I, that for me, I was like, you're so right. And for me, that is the sci-fi. <laughs> like, mm. how does anyone do that? Like, I don't know. I didn't do that. My child <laughs> was an infant. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. And and so really, like, figuring that out and bringing that story, um, you know, to its uh, through its natural course, um, keeping that story going until the end, um, and making it actually, you know, so a, a sort of organic part of 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 the of of every story in the book. Um, that was, I would say, like the final big revision. And and I think really, really was what the book needed. It was really, I mean, it was just, she was spot on about that. I'm so glad because that's one of like the most meaningful threads in the book is them sort of figuring that out, you know, and failing and then not failing. And, you know, like it's, it's, I really love that. I remember right after our child, our first child was born saying to my husband after a really hard night. I just miss you. And he had been there the whole night, but yeah. it was, it's similar. It's, you know, you're sort of like losing who you were and becoming these new people and, you know, and, and yeah. I'm so glad that that was sort of, you know, fleshed out in this. Yeah. She was so right. Yeah. <laughs> she was so right. Shout out your random house editor. Hey, <laughs> what's it been like to have this book out in the world? Has anything surprised you or how's it been? Um, It's been, 
a good experience, I would say overall. I mean, I think I've gotten so many lovely emails and sort of social media DMs and um, from people who sort of were moved to tell me their story of maternal yeah. worry or maternal dislocation, you know, what it was, what it's been like for them to be a mother, basically. Um, and that has been um, just incredibly moving and, and wonderful and enriching. Um, I think that the thing probably that has surprised me the most actually has been the response. I really assumed that this was going to be a book that was almost entirely read by women, by mm. mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really had quite a few fathers wow. really react to the book. It's like, you know what, this actually, this, this, this explains, this describes my experience quite accurately. They're like, I've even had a couple who've said like, you know, actually I'm the Hannah character in this and my, and my wife. Um, you know, or my husband, but like, but the, the more surprising is like my wife, you know, is, is the Adam character. Um, and, and so I, that, that I think has been really, that's probably been the most surprising thing to me is that um, this was this, the experience that I'm describing, you know, or at least the, you know, and the reception has not been as gendered as I had anticipated it would be. Wow. That's amazing. I wouldn't have expected that either. And that's terrible of me. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, yes, we're both terrible. <laughs> I know I have to constantly check myself and be like, you're not just talking about motherhood. You're talking about parenthood. Yeah. It's all, it's all in there. Um, yeah. But wow. Are you working on anything new? Am. I am working on something new. Um I'm like just I'm like in those early stages where I'm sort of playing around with this with a new novel and trying to get the voice right and um and and I, I've discovered recently that I'm at the stage where when I try to describe to people what it is you just see them be like what <laughs> okay okay this needs to cook a little bit more, <laughs> more quantum mechanics mayhaps <laughs> it's, it's still it's still got the sort of like what I what I've I've been lately been calling it um psychoanalytic speculative where it's oh just like it's like some and i'm like that it, it still has that sort of psychoanalytic speculative um theme continuing oh. which i think is just like how i'm gonna write from now on because that is what that's what resonates and excites me um but but this one is sort of more about uh loneliness and sex and single motherhood oh my god and it's psychoanalytical speculative loneliness sex and single motherhood that is a hit i cannot wait to read that <laughs> Oh my God. That's a book people need. <laughs> well, thank you. That is, that is, that is, I think the encouragement I need. Oh my like, God. Amazing. Hell yeah. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to read it. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and, and talking to me. And I loved this book and I, I honestly think about it. I read it months and months ago and I think about it constantly. Um, huh. And I know that I will, you know, far into the future. So well done. And thank you so much. Thank you. This has been such a joy. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Likewise.